and Dominique in the Eastern Caribbean. The afternoon time is uh, 1 o'clock. Time here on uh, Q905, the big station for talk on the block. It's Wednesday today, the last day of the month. Month we, we do a lot of reflection, or, or, or we're supposed to be doing a lot of reflection on emancipation and things like that. This is, uh, you know, the month of emancipation. We started the we started the month of emancipation there at the beginning. This is the final day of uh, emancipation month, hmm? and uh, so we'll have a few reflections this afternoon on the block. We'll just you know listen and reflect and ask ourselves some questions about who we are and where we are after so many hundreds of years uh, since we were. Our forefathers were enslaved, but what, what, what did it really mean? And what does it mean for us today? Because there's a lot of talk around these days about modern day slavery. I use the term myself because I see a lot of things uh, happening around me that amount to nothing more than slavery. And I wonder why, you know, we, we seem so concerned about our, our forefathers being enslaved with other people's money back in the day but where it seems that we're under domination under somebody else's domination with our own money we don't consider that to be slavery or maybe it is something else so we will talk a little bit about you know slavery modern day slavery what is what is not I'm going to bring a voice from the past to help us this afternoon. I'm going to go back to the words uh, of famed Barbadian novelist George Lamming, who uh, spent time with us over the years visiting and talking. Uh, he is one of the more outstanding advocates of cultural identity and the history of these islands and uh, where they are, where they were where they're heading through the years. So we will uh, we'll listen to George Lamming a little bit this afternoon and we will, we will talk. We'll talk as we move it forward. 103 is the afternoon time. We thank you for joining us.
When we use the term slavery, we are in the habit of thinking of slavery as a kind of aberration, as something that was very wrong and people weren't sure how they came to be involved in that. But when you read comprehensive surveys of the institution of slavery, what comes home to you is that slavery was not an aberration. There is no known human society in which this institution did not exist. And in many where it was considered a normal arrangement of labor. I want to establish also that we have got trapped in the notion of associating slavery with the Atlantic Middle Passage episode of slavery to the point where many generations have grown up believing that slavery and blackness were synonymous. Slavery, as I said, has been in every culture and has embraced every race and every complexion. The other point I want to leave with you is the way in which perhaps we may have been misled by the use of the term slave. We've always used the term slave to define a person. You speak of X as a slave, or they had slaves. And I want to suggest to you that the real definition of slave does not relate to person. The word slave really defines a relation, the relation a person had to a particular process of production in a particular place. To exaggerate, there is a sense perhaps in which I think it is true to say that they may never have been slaves in the region. There were men and women who had been put in a relation of enslavement, but they never really surrendered the sense or the spirit of a free people. And that is why whenever in any study of history we are dealing with something called a period of slavery, what we are also dealing with is a period of rebellion and a period of resistance. There is no corner of this hemisphere in which slavery was imposed that there was not at the same time a response 
of rebellion and a response of resistance. And that resistance could take a variety of forms, could even appear at times to be accommodation to the situation. The word emancipate, I want to introduce a meaning. I am relying on the fragments of my Latin, mana Scipio, I take ex a away. The word emancipate for me means to take out of the hand of. It says, I have you in my hand. I have you in my clutch. And to emancipate yourself means to take yourself out of that hand, out of that clutch. The particular date which you have heard, the particular date which you are inclined to celebrate is the date of the Emancipation Act. The act whereby millions of men and women who were in the clutch, in the grip, in the hand of the slave power were by law, by law only, told they were no longer in that hand. But we have to be very careful what it is we are celebrating when we think of the Emancipation Act. For the people who passed the law did not really have the victims of the hand primarily in their interest or concern. They actually gave 20 million pounds to the victimizers to facilitate the negotiation. Now natural justice would have said the 20 million pounds should have gone to the victims. They had other reasons for passing the act. So when you celebrate emancipation, it's not so much that act that you're celebrating, that law that said that it had taken you out of the hand of the slave power. For that law had made no preparation whatsoever for taking you out of the control of the hand. In fact, the law was always in collusion with the hand to ensure that while you might be out of the hand, you should never be out of the control of the hand. And so, if emancipation is being celebrated, it is not the act that you are celebrating, but the struggle to break the hand. And I want to say that we have not yet broken that hand. Yet it remains very important for us to celebrate the occasion of emancipation because it is important for us to keep alive 
in the consciousness of generation after generation, the immense battle, the immense sacrifice of the millions of men and women who were the victims of that hand and whose names we will never know. We hear of leaders and we hear of heroes. But no leader or hero ever made himself or herself. The human material from the heart of which these figures grow is the mass of what are called the ordinary but not so ordinary men and women. They may be vividly known in their own time, but their names are permanently lost to us. What must not be lost to us is the meaning of their lives when they lived those lives. One fourteen, we're listening to a famed Barbadian novelist. He passed earlier this year, in June of this year. Uh, George Laming, a very powerful advocate on cultural identity and the Caribbean future. And one of the reasons we have not been able to make a greater development in this area of consciousness is because throughout our history and throughout this entire region, we have been to a large extent, the product of institutions which were designed to make sure that we were not put in touch with anything that might be called ours. It was important that we not be in touch with that. They were also designed to make sure that education did not provide us with the sense of being creators or potential creators of history, because if they did that, we would have had to get new institutions. You could not have the old institutions if they produced that sort of product. The system was designed to create two kinds of people. And I want to forgive me because as a novelist, I am speaking now both literally and metaphorically. One category was what you might call the zombie. Now, this is a very Caribbean word. The zombie is a Caribbean word. It was in fact created in Haiti. It's a Haitian word. And the zombie is a creature who is dead, but who goes through all the motions of being alive. You meet them every day. (laughs) It's the dead going through the motions of the living. And some are very spectacularly visible. 
with sparkling black briefcases. <laughs> the system of institutions, schools, extension of schools, church, law courts, all these institutions were in some way, innocently or not, designed to turn a substantial portion of the population into this category of person, the zombie, the dead going through the motions of being alive. And with higher education, a more dangerous type emerges. <laughs> The more educated you become, you move from zombie to something that is quite menacing. It applies to many of the people who organize our lives throughout the region. It is the category I define as mercenary. Now let me give you the literal meaning of the word mercenary. When normally we say mercenary, we use this word to identify a soldier in a war, but a soldier in a war that has nothing to do with him. You want somebody to fly a helicopter and he says, fine, it will cost you $5,000 an hour. He's not concerned whose war it is or where the war is. He's only concerned with the arrangement of $5,000 for flying the helicopter. He is the classical mercenary. And I'm saying here that this type was also produced later to be elevated in the role of economist, historian, teacher, a great variety of professionals by the education system of our society. A system that produced a trained person who had no relation to anything but his particular function as a career and the immediate reward of that career. The mercenary. It is one of the most obvious things of our existence, and yet it has been blotted out from us, that if a people are shaped by the view that they are put into history by some chosen few who are the real makers of history, you stabilize the relation of the dominant and the dominated that exists between their leaders and themselves. If we could ever succeed in planting in people not only the idea, but the fact in their consciousness that they are the makers of history, then you alter the relationship between them and those who hold them in their hands. Emancipation which can only take the form of 
self-emancipation begins here. Emancipation, which takes the form of self-emancipation, begins uh, removing yourself from the hand of the power that controls you, the dominant versus the dominated. George Lamming in the afternoon at 1.21. We are revisiting some of his comments and counsel and uh, wisdom to us over the years. He passed in June of this year. And it seemed to me that no party in the Commonwealth Caribbean has ever shown much enthusiasm for carrying out in a systematic way the kind of program of political education which Manley acknowledges to be essential to any major change in popular consciousness. Over half a century, the leadership of both party and union from territory to territory have deliberately omitted this basic work from their program of mass organization. The omission could not have been casual. And we must assume that many a leader recognized that such political education at mass level would inevitably alter the relation of leader to rank and file. It would have put an end to the uncritical adoration of the leader as great tribal chief, infallible and beyond reproach. For this has been the characteristic deformity of the political culture of the region, and it has persisted whatever the ideological character of the leader. I'm coming to a close with a note of sympathy for political leaders. There is something in the system that makes life, I think, unbearable for the leader, particularly in office. The politician in power. He is overwhelmed by concrete tasks to be performed, decisions to be taken urgently, often without any pause for reflection. He's haunted by the fear of failure to deliver. His working hours are spent in a permanent state of emergency. The shadow of parliamentary opposition where it exists blurs his sense of priorities. He knows they want to get him out, and he has no intention of going. <laughs> He lives with intrigue and the constant threat of betrayal within his own right. It is a very feverish atmosphere and hardly conducive, therefore, to that state of reflective self-consciousness from which a leader could have a vision of a new society. If he enjoyed a certain measure of collaborative support from other modes of thought and perception, from the historian, the poet, the student of philosophy and the social sciences, the economist and the theater director, who recreates the cultural history of the nation, 
It is the collective dialogue between these different categories of sensibility which ultimately gives voice to a commanding vision of a new society. But it is often precisely this voice which has often withdrawn its service from any form of political engagement. There is a large category of genuine workers, intellectual workers, who view such involvement with misgiving. The risks are too great. The division of the new society, the new Caribbean person, would have to begin with the transformation of the school at all levels of learning. And this would require a political mechanism which changes the role of the school from being an agent of social control to becoming a force for social transformation. And here, the reflection of the Brazilian pile of Freire in the pedagogy of the oppressed is very relevant. He writes, there is no such thing as a neutral educational process. Education either functions as an instrument which is used to facilitate the integration of generations into the logic of the present system and bring about conformity to it, or it becomes the practice of freedom the means by which men and women deal critically and creatively with reality and discover how to participate in the transformation of this world. Finally, we need to transform our schools from the plantation institutions which we have inherited. To nurture them as intellectual agencies which decolonize the mind. The pursuit of knowledge should never be divorced from the struggle against human exploitation. And every boy and girl should know what is meant by the menace of imperialism, as well as understand why in the interest of their own survival as men and women of dignity, it is absolutely necessary to resist it. We need to recover the cultural history of Africa and the African people and put this discipline at the center of the curriculum. And wherever African and Indian meet in the Caribbean as a common force of labor, the cultural histories of Africa and Indian people must be an essential part of the learning experience of all Caribbean citizens. But the most urgent cultural and political task of education is to deepen and nourish the regional consciousness in each territory. A genuine national identity will only be experienced when there is a liberated regional Caribbean of one people and an environment is created in which we may be able to say, here man is truly man and the world he lives in it's a human place. Thank you. Identity. Okay. I see this scholarship. I see this sponsorship. 
Asidi dealership, Asidi ownership, I find the membership, some underhand relationships, all around the partnership, but I can find the leadership, Asidi dictatorship, but I can find the leadership. Station presents Kudos to Our Heroes. Our 12th Dominican National Hero is distinguished educator and possibly the longest serving principal of the iconic Convent High School, Mrs. Dorothy Levy. We recognize, appreciate, and award Mrs. Levy on Monday, 26 September from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. on Q95, the big station for her valuable transformational lifelong social, political, and legal accomplishments, her pioneering works, and meaningful lifetime achievements as a phenomenal humanitarian who taught and inspired generations of Dominicans at home and abroad in numerous ways, but especially the youth, for her caring character and humility, and for her extensive knowledge and expertise in education, among many other traits, a lady of great honor, she will always without any doubt be remembered as having encouraged her many students to strive to be the best that they can be, to reach out to excellence, and to be the best at whatever they set out to do in their lifelong journeys after their secondary education. Many of them have reached the highest levels of accomplishment and are at the pinnacle of their various careers. Kudos to Mrs. Levy, her wonderful husband Alfred, her distinguished children, and the rest of the family. Mrs. Levy is indeed a true Dominican hero for instilling a positive mental attitude that elevated the content of the social, educational, and literary dialogue on matters of human well-being, and for being a great Dominican who demonstrated that any ordinary person can do extraordinary things in whatever they set their minds to do. Q95 listeners at home, in the region, and worldwide. Tune in on Monday, 26 September from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Join us in recognizing, appreciating, awarding, and extending kudos to our 12th Dominican national hero, learned educationist and humanitarian, Mrs. Dorothy Levy. If you would like to make a personal contribution to our phenomenal heroes or to kudos to our heroes committee, take it to the Q95 radio office on Hanover Street in Roseau or go to the Q95 website at www.q95da.com and make your donation. Call us at 767-448-5822 or at 305-906-4216 or talk to one of our representatives. Let us all together say a huge thank you to Mrs. Dorothy Levy and to all our Dominican heroes from the Q family at home and abroad only on Q95. The big station. Once in all, all the flowers are done. Whoa, whoa. 
stand for the law and rights and against crime in the land. And whereas, whereas, you dispense justice, but you got. One thirty-four. We're taking your phone calls. Four four nine three zero nine five. Four four nine three zero nine six. Four four nine three zero nine seven. Six one six four two five seven. The overseas lines. Three o five four three two nine six two four. And three four seven three four nine seven four three one. One thirty-six, Dominique. Good afternoon at the telephone. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Mr. Linton. Uh, you hear me? Okay. I'm hearing you very well. Okay, Thanks. Good. Thanks Absolutely. for joining us. Yeah, just wanted. Yeah, welcome. I just wanted to make a little intervention there, not to do with what you were playing earlier, because I wanted to call before you started anything, but realized that you went right into it. Um, about the walk today. Yes. Uh, I, I was part of the walk today. The walk was another great walk, but um, today was one of the days where we saw that we had a little um, media coverage from it looked like what it looked like at first to me is some foreign media. Okay. So as soon as we set off from the previous cinema, there was this vehicle, I think the Mitsubishi, that actually just followed us with this white guy with a camera, mm -hmm. just following us all the way to Kennedy Avenue, all the way to um, Independent Street, and then at some point, when we reached maybe around Kairi area, he disappeared, and then by the time we reached the Bayfront, he showed up minutes after, and was really just deep into recording what was going on. And I decided to really ask a question, uh, what media was he with, and um, he said, um, said something about Bulgaria. So I said, let me do some Bulgaria, and then he... Mm -hmm kind of warding me off and just doing his do, taking pictures up front and personal 
in motion. And then um, I kind of tried to intercept him again, and he kind of rushed me, like, wait. And he, they're doing his coverage. That was important to him. He took us from every angle. And then um, when he was finished and he came and I was having a conversation with him. So I see he's a Bulgarian media. He said, um, no, I'm from Bulgaria, but um, the media is not from Bulgaria. I see, so where is your media? Where can I follow? What's happening? What are you doing? He said, well, he's in a documentary. Documentary on what? On um, different things happening on the island. So I said, where, where can I follow that um, documentary? Because I can watch TV any part of the world I want. So just tell me where I can follow. Um, so where's your media from? My media is from all over the world. What's the name of the media? He can't tell me. So I found that a little strange. And um, it just reminded me, it is a flashback. Yeah. It reminded me of um, Terry Bar Barron's photobomb in Linton. <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there and to tell us to be very careful because we are in very silly season. Yeah. And these kinds of people can pop up and we don't know who they are. And because of the color of their skin and they present themselves a certain way as media, we mm -hmm. might just open up to them, not realizing what we're doing. I just really want but to put that out there. Yeah. All right. He Have should a good be, one. Yeah, well, my, my yes. sense is he should be able to tell you uh, which media he yes, is and he working for or associated with. He and could not. where will the documentary air? Or what's the it's plan not, for the, and, and the documentary exact, so you could follow it? Yeah. That's the, exactly the questions that I asked. Mm -hmm. And he could not answer. Strange. And that was, and, and, and more than that, mm -hmm. um, a media person on uh, on a little island like Dominica from Bulgaria, mm -hmm. um, not even a card he could present with his name. Six. Or his, <laughs> even the media corporation that he was yeah. for. But he said, his media, where is your media from? My media is from all over the world. All but he the said, world. he is from Bulgaria. Yeah. Have a good one, my brother. God bless you. Just wanted to really put that out there because and sometimes we, we, we see certain people with the call of their skin uh -huh. and we, we, we accept them thinking that they always say Dominica are hospitable people mm -hmm. or whatever they call us. But I think it's a certain level of docility and stupidity also to just allow anything and in this silly season with this criminal enterprise and the monies that they have, mm -hmm. I mean, we know for a fact that one guy was coming from Barbados once, once to get his child and he had a gun. We know about right, um, Terry right, Barron and right. his crew who came to your home. And if it wasn't for exactly. your camera coverage, you know what would have gone down. Exactly. Exactly. What? Have a good day. Have a good day yourself. What would have gone down was exactly what uh, Ian Douglas and uh, Reginald Austrian Scarrett were saying on the, on the platforms that uh, there was this bag of money. <laughs> One forty. good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Governor. What's up? Mr. Corporate Relaxer, how are you? I'm having enjoying some corporate oh, relaxation okay. right good, now. Good, good for you, good for you, good for you, <laughs> good for yes. you. Now, let me tell you, as you said this morning, right? You cannot prove that his labor is uh, is the taxpayers' money or the passport money that um, Scarit and TNM giving out school supplies, and you cannot prove that. So, but where does he get all that money now, Scarit and who was nobody, nobody ever knew her to be a rich woman. Now she has all these supplies to give to everybody. So all of a sudden, you have people getting rich overnight in Dominica. And people who were poor, considered to be poor people, all of a sudden overnight they have things, money to just, and supplies to just give everybody who wants. You know, I mean, where all this money come from? But let me tell you the point I want to make. I'm not sure if Dominicans are ready to change the government. I'm not sure. I may be wrong. Because, you know, you know, um, you don't be say, 
um, don't give a man a fish, teach a man to fish. But there are some people in Dominica, Mr. Lin Sanjati, most of the time. They don't want to learn to fish. They want you to give them a fish. So they like people to give, to give handouts and freenies. So by and large, a lot of Dominicans like, they like that. They're waiting for the seawall. Seawall coming just now, you know, Mr. Linton. We all get ready. Seawall, they're going to bring down some artists from overseas, pay them half a million or what they're going to pay them. And they're going to have a lot of seawall coming up very soon, Mr. Linton. Seawall and handouts coming very soon. So they have a lot of Dominicans who are looking forward to that, Mr. Linton. So I'm not sure Dominicans are willing to change. The Dominicans, they're going through their suffering right now, but they know very soon they're going to have some seawall coming up between October and Christmas time. You know, at Christmas they have their hams coming and a little $200. And they're quite happy to be like that. So I'm not going to... I hear people asking Dominicans, trying to educate Dominicans and tell Dominicans, Dominicans are ready to change the government. A lot of, by and large, about 50% of Dominicans are not ready to change the government. So I don't know. It is what it is, you know. You say you say the Brenner song, they, they like it so. They like it so, Mr. Linton. Anyway, take care of yourself, man. Have a good day. Take care of yourself. 142. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, my brother and my friend and my leader. Well, it's a long time I haven't heard that voice. So, yeah, Mr. Lakusetla. My brother, blessings. Yeah. I hope you will hear that. Mark in Baptist Editions listening at all. And Mr. Whitney Lewis. Thank you for the opportunity. Great program, my brother. I want to thank you for that very much. You know, I, I was saying, um, Lennox, this morning you were having a conversation about the president. This mm-hmm. is a man. This is a this is a man that um, who rode on the back of the trade union movement in the seventies. You remember? And he achieved fame, notoriety, well, notoriety and power by riding the backs of the poor trade union people, the members, and the mo- and the movement in general. So I have a question to ask. What has Charles Savre, Charles Angelo Savre done to encourage the development? The, con- the constitution gives people the right to be part of a trade union. Have you ever heard his voice encouraging and advocating for the rights of people to be joined members of the trade union since 1979? Have you ever heard his voice encouraging, supporting the trade union movement since 1979? There's this matter of the call the center at um uh, how do you call it the call center at um Kingfield Kingfield Road where yeah. the government is to allow uh-huh. people to be members of the trade union has Charles Savage stood for these people since has he stood for anything related mm-hmm. to the improvement and advancement advancement of the trade union movement since 1979. <laughs> In fact, when he was Minister for Labor, he adopted a hostile attitude, because I know that's from the way on the, the government, um, the union represent people in the government service, mm. who talk with 5%, 0%, whatever it is. He adopted a hostile and absolutely disrespectful attitude to the trade union movement, even to the trade union that he led in the 1970s. Has that man, and then suddenly, the man, a man who has betrayed his own political party, you know, the Freedom Party, and right now he doesn't say one thing about a party that gave him visibility, that gave him power, that gave him support. He has mm. crushed them under his feet. 
Well, uh, what, I, I heard. He I heard his leader. I heard his leader saying that uh, he w once he got out of the way, once he was no longer there, the only the only person left to uh, be in charge yeah. of the Freedom Party was. Yeah, <laughs> so he was told his right to lose the skeleton. So I say on this day, you know, that Charles uh, Angelo Tavern is a consummate opportunist. He's a consummate opportunist. Everything he has done has been for himself. I think Dr. I.P. used the word derelict in his contribution yesterday. Charles Savran is derelict uh, in, in conscience, of conscience, derelict of conscience, derelict of soul and morality. He has lost, I use the word bankrupt. He has no soul, no conscience. But how, how do you explain, how, how do you explain, how do you explain uh, his uh, obvious belief that he has no moral authority to act in anything? Or, or, well, I guess... Well, he, he, as I said, probably that was, that's what he was all the time. And, you know, he was playing the game, working towards what he wanted mm. for himself. It was always about him. It was not about him always. At least, Having written, having um, um, found himself in a position of power because he trod and, and, and he rode and he, and he lifted himself up, so to speak, on the trade union movement. He would have said a word. He would have been a person now encouraging the trade union movement, the dying trade union movement in Dominica. Not a word. And right in his face as Minister for Labor, the, the people had calls, say they will not. Have. We know these struggles that people are like having. Not a word from a man who was seen as the, the leader of the Trinian movement in the 70s. It tells you that this man has no soul. He never really was interested in others. He was always interested in himself. And that now brings me to the nexus. It, it ties me to the point that you read, the letters that you wrote, asking him to show some interest in national morality, national concern, mm -hmm. our elections, the root and pillar of our democracy. Mm -hmm. And Charles Savre has no interest in that. He's not interested. He's a puppet of, him, of his own self and of those that pay him money. So that's what I want to say about Charles Angelo Savre. He's bereft, right. derelict of conscience and soul. And I want to thank you, my brother, thank you. for the great work you're doing. Thank you very and much. I pray for Matt that he'll be all right. Good job. Hold on there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you very much. So, as we've been talking this afternoon, reflecting on the the Council of George Lamming of blessed memory, we we noted the point about the dominant and the dominated and. Uh, what appears in, in, in many circles now to be the normalization, the, the consolidation of that relationship between the dominant and the dominated, so that the dominated come to accept whatever they have, or, you know, whatever, whatever comes their way in, in that relationship, because maybe there is nothing better that they can look ahead to or aspire to. But human beings have always been about that freedom of the human spirit, that, that 
freedom of the spirit that God has blessed you with has always been important to human beings. So, yes, we all have to survive. And for many of us, survival means accumulation, you know. We, we need to have things and we need to put away things. And the more things we put away, the more we feel uh, that we are secure. And we are blessed, maybe more fortunate than others and so on. So we are accumulating. But that's, that's who we are. As human beings, we, we accumulate and we want to be who we want to be. We want to be who we want to be. But there's another side to that where we also want other people to be what we want them to be. So, yes, we want to be who we want to be, but we, we're not leaving it up to the other person to be what they want to be. We want them to be what we want them to be. And uh, a lot of uh, tensions enter those relationships as a, uh, as a result of those basic dynamics that a lot of times we, we just don't put into proper perspective. 150, good afternoon. Good afternoon, so how are you doing? I'm doing well, how are you doing? Oh, uh, a, a little, not tired, just woke up on the Yeah, it's, you walked too much today. You, you walked too much today. No, I thought the walk was just good. I, rest, I maybe uh, danced okay. too much after the walk. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in uh, dice music, you have to dance. Okay, okay. I would really like to ask the authorities, including Skerritt, Blackmore, and the chief and deputy chief of police, what is the relevance of every Wednesday the streets of Roseau have to be blocked? We're supposed to be walking in the streets of Roseau anywhere, anytime, how we want. We have to be causing a... The, the policemen are causing a major traffic block, especially coming up Constitution Hill area. What is the reason for that? If we as Dominican cannot stand up on the pavement in the streets of Roseau to speak, then and bomb the whole place then. I can't find that is so stupid and senseless. We coming up the road there today, roadblock. Police in Army Fatigue. Police there, police over there. Why? Can you believe a funeral was coming up the other day, a hearse, and had to divert because roadblock. Who are you protecting? What is all you what are you protecting? Please tell the people. And what Mervyn told you there it was true. The man came in there and he shot Panda White Man with his big camera and he they're taking a pictures of Dominica flag, this, that and that. Mervyn went up to him and questioned him what was his relevance there. And he maybe beat around the bush and after he tell him. If it's true what he tell him, we don't know. He alone that and God that know. Selling down in our country, if we not be careful in our country, I don't know, we will be sailing away to the Pacific Ocean anytime soon. Bye-bye. Have a good afternoon and enjoy your evening. This is Q95 Talk on the Block for today, Wednesday. It's the final day of August in the year 2022, and we thank you for joining us. Good, af good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. Again, Mr. Linton. Yeah, bro. We, we, we ought to call things by the right name, you know. This well, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of wisdom. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Um, we know exactly why the blocking back area. There, this thing about this child sexual abuse that's going on. We know we started showing up there as walkers. 
because one of the perpetrators of an act like that, grooming of a child, works right there at Kyrie. The first time we showed up, there wasn't this police resistance. And after that, so two or three weeks after that, you're getting steady barriers of police in that area. So it simply tells us that the police is protecting people that are um, abusing children, sexual crimes against minors, the people that are involved in that. The police agreeing to protect them rather than to protect the children. That's where we are at. And in a state run by a cursed demon, you cannot expect anything different. They like to say in a real country, what would happen? And Dominica is not a real country. But when you have a demon at the head, a cursed demon at the head of your government, just telling people what to do, and they're just doing it as the women fancy of that demon. What do you expect? You, yesterday you were dealing, yesterday and David, I think you were dealing with the situation where you wrote Charles Savoy a letter, mm-hmm. and then he responded to you as leader of the opposition. And look at his response. You think he doesn't know what his role, functions, and responsibilities are in that position? According to you, after a second year in, um, second term in office. Four years into a second term. Exactly. He knows exactly what his roles, functions, and responsibilities are. But because he was put there by a demon, all he has to do is carry out the wishes of that demon. And that is exactly what it is. And if we are dissatisfied and we're sitting there and doing nothing about it, it will only be allowed to fester. Enough said on that. Let me come go back to what I first said about the white guy. Right, there is a powerful thing. After I mentioned that, I got one call and then I got another situation, a story where that man was in my area last night on Great Marlborough Street, walking with a little black camera after 6 o'clock, recording, walk down the lane, stand up by certain place, record back up the lane, record my house, record the DSC building, walk back through the lane. So I guess he's creating some kind of perimeter for whoever they have to send their information for. And he cannot, and he, and he cannot tell you who he is working yeah, but for. I told you, ironically, I showed up at the walk today and the man was there as looking like foreign media. I decided to question him. Mm-hmm. And I am that kind of person. When I see this kind of people, I want to know what you're interested in, what you're doing. What you're... When I travel, I do that. I just stop in an airport. I can meet anybody and have a conversation with them. I'm walking down the street in New York. I can talk to anybody. I'm in Boston. Anywhere in the world I am, I do that. And you find this people very intriguing when you ask them questions. They are willing to answer. He was not forthcoming with the answers. Mm-hmm. And that made me very suspicious of him. After I called you, I got two, two sets of information. So one guy saying that, yeah, this guy, he showed up at the market and different places doing the same thing. And one guy called on him and he said he's so sorry. But anyway, he was doing that very thing. Um, just going up on people and taking pictures and doing stuff. And then um, I, got, I got news that he was in my lane. He was in Great Marlborough Street last night. Walked down with a little black and, and really and truly, the person who is telling me that he had that black camera last night, after he used the big professional video machine, he was a camera. He actually pulled out in the corner by this bookstore there. He pulled mm-hmm. out a little black camera, something real small and flat. He pulled that out recording from the corner where we, when, we, when we reached um, by Britain and Company area there. So the person who's, who's telling me that didn't see him today. So I saw him with the black camera also today and, and gave me his attire last night, mm-hmm. which is only what he changed today is the shirt. <laughs> Have a good one, my brother. Have a good one yourself. Let's just keep our eyes and ears open. Indeed. And look, at, look, look out for what's happening there. In the, we also have to watch our back.
Thank you we, very we, much. We, we, we have no longer the people who um, 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 are each other, uh, body call it, each other's brother's keeper. Right. We have become so divided that we, sometimes we have to watch our own back. Have a good one. Indeed. Nice, nice. Thank you very much for that. It's 1.57. That's all the time we have. Uh, we'll come back tomorrow for another edition of Talk on the Block. And uh, before that, of course, I'll be back here tomorrow morning, God willing, for the hot seat on the big station, Q95. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, be the best that you can be. On behalf of the family of Q95, have a wonderful evening. We love you all the time. We'll leave you with this one. Someone requested it earlier. It slipped me and I didn't uh, remember, but uh, <laughs> this is JD. <laughs> King JD. Don't complain. Where the Ross is this? Come out there with your foolishness. Is you who want it?